When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. Hello, hi, and welcome. I am your host, Emigrant Awardner, and in my nearly 20-year career as a beauty and health writer, I have interviewed a lot of people, supermodels, entrepreneurs, authors, celebrities, and doctors, and many of these conversations had a real impact on me, and I'd come away feeling inspired, excited, informed, and really empowered, and at the back of my mind, I'd always think, I wish I could just publish the tape so people could really feel that conversation. Well, on this podcast, you get to feel the conversation. I talk with experts, guests, and a few friends who I hope will inspire, inform, and empower you, and maybe also challenge you, whether you're looking for self-help, self-improvement, beauty advice, health insights, business know-how, or just some good old-fashioned life advice and a bit of a laugh. It's all here. Welcome to the show. My guest in this episode of the podcast is Hayley Quinn. Hayley is one of the UK's top dating coaches and someone who provides support and guidance to help people find the fun in dating and also boost their confidence. Hayley has also delivered a fascinating TED talk called Searching for Love to Escape Ourselves, which is a must watch for anyone who feels they make the same bad choices in relationships over and over again. And there are many other reasons to watch that talk, but that's the one that really stuck out to me. Now, I've been looking for someone to come on this podcast and talk about dating for a while. And honestly, I found it to be a bit of a challenge. I feel as though there's a lot of focus on gamifying dating, on perpetuating rules of dating. And these things don't actually apply to everyone. And so there was always the worry in the back of my mind that an episode could potentially end up being unhelpful. And as you know, I don't ever want an episode to be unhelpful. But I'd heard about Hayley through friends and I'd read about her in a few places and then I saw her TED talk and I knew I had to share her with you, my most excellent listeners, on an episode of the podcast. I really enjoy her approach and I really enjoy where she comes from and the perspective that she brings to her dating coaching and her dating perspective. And rather than me explain to you how that came to be, I will let her tell you because her story of how she came to actually become a dating coach, which was not her plan, her intended course of action, is really quite interesting and quite funny, actually. So I'll let her uh, do the explaining and tell you exactly how that came to be and how and why that informs the very key pivot that she executes, which is very different from traditional dating advice that she applies in her own coaching. So during our conversation, Haley and I discuss a lot. We talk about the power play of dating. If you've ever dated you will know that there is like a rule for when you should and shouldn't text and all that kind of nonsense so there is a there's a very real subtext even though it might be one of power playing we actually really unpick whether there is something such as 
the rules of dating. We talk about the dangers of dating by committee and you'll know what that means if you have ever screen grabbed a conversation you're having and then sent it to a WhatsApp chat group or a chat group and uh, asked your friends what they think about what's going on. I think we've all done it. Um, We also discuss taking a good text message conversation and making it real life chemistry on a date. Obviously, that is when it is appropriate and allowed to go on dates. Uh, We talk about expressing yourself authentically how to do that and why that will elicit the kind of results that you probably actually want. The dangers of getting hooked on the idea of someone is also something that we uh, unpick a little bit because that I think is something that can be a bit of a challenge and can get in people's way. The value of getting to know ourselves before dating uh, and I'm obviously I do quote RuPaul when we go into that particular section of the, of the show. We also discuss rejection in the dating process, how to handle it, what to learn from it and why it might actually have nothing really to do with you or maybe only a tiny bit, a lot less than you think, basically. The many and varied and quite unhelpful dating truisms, dating after divorce or after a long term relationship and how to get back out there, especially when the landscape is so, so different from what you might have known or been comfortable with when you left the dating pool how to communicate your needs and how to know what they when they aren't being met and maybe why they aren't being met and so much more the links to Haley, the links to that ted talk the links to her coaching classes her website her social media will be in the show notes but i loved this conversation Haley is a genuinely brilliant guest i'm so delighted to bring her to the podcast so here she is making what i hope is a debut appearance of many it's Haley quinn on the emma gunn show Hayley Quinn, welcome to the Emma Gunn Show. Thank you for joining me. How are you? I'm okay. As I said, I'm slightly chilly, sat outside in the extension with a boiler broken, but that is just January lockdown, <laughs> I would say. I don't even want to... The words boiler broken just make me feel quite uneasy. I am sorry for what you're going through and I send you warmth. <laughs> um, I have asked you to come on the show and I'm very excited to have this conversation because I've heard you speak. You've done a brilliant TED Talk. Um, and I've heard you on various other shows and you are a dating expert and dating isn't necessarily something we've really unpicked on the show before and so I really wanted to get someone like you on and you are the perfect person because I feel as though sometimes when it comes to dating the topic can sometimes revolve around the tips the things that you should do the things that you shouldn't do and it's all very sort of multiple choice or it becomes about what's wrong with me. And I really wanted to get you on the show because I feel as though you come at it from a slightly more helpful angle that has long-term benefits. Right, I like the fact you're focusing on the long-term there because I think the thing is, and I have to say, I've got lots of videos out there, I'm just gonna own up to this about how to text someone, but that is what people type into Google because that's what they feel the problem is. It's like, if I could just think of this one clever message to send to women on dating apps, I get much more responses or he's just told me he's not interested in a more committed relationship. You know, what's the, what's the smart, sassy way to respond to that? And I think while everybody always wants the hack and the tip, I think there's a much better way to look at dating overall. And I could completely understand why the subject of dating comes across as kind of like fluffy and a bit silly if you think about it. But then I think when it comes to people's personal happiness, you know, relationships and how we get on our quest to find people we have those emotional connection with that that's like a big deal that accounts for a lot of happiness or unhappiness in our lives and I think there's a lot of misdirection when it comes to dating advice in that it can encourage you to look for 
I say one of two things, either it's a tip or technique that like we've discussed, like the perfect text to send or what to say when he says that, um, or it can make it all about the other person. It can make it all about, I mean, this, I'm going to say a few of my sentences about dating that I hate the most, which is like how to catch and keep a man, you know, or how to attract him to me forever, how to increase his desire. And I'm like, Ugh. obviously like the inner sort of semi-feminist side of me like rankles at that anyway. But also it's just like putting your thoughts and your effort and your time and energy in totally, totally and utterly the wrong place. Like to start to, before stating the obvious that none of us need to kind of arm twist anybody else into being with us. Um, I also think it makes it all about the other person. And I really love to look at dating and how we engage with it really as a reflection of ourselves, you know, where we're at in terms of our self-esteem, our accountability, how congruent we are, you know, how aware we are of what we want. And so I think when we look at some common dating problems, if you actually flip them around to that perspective, they become a lot easier to solve. You've been a dating expert for a while. Was that always your approach or was this an evolution that's happened? Total evolution. I mean, I say I did not intend to be a dating coach. That wasn't like I was, I, when I was sat there being, you know, dumped by Laurie McCall age 16. I wasn't thinking that this was going to come up for me. Um, but, but quite, I was actually thinking about this this morning, quite by accident, over 10 years ago now, I stumbled across um, a community called the Pickup Artist Community. Don't know if you've ever heard about that. Is this eyebrow kind, raise? Well, <laughs> I'm thinking, uh, are these people who would probably have a well-thumbed copy of um, Neil Strauss's The Game? Oh, yes. <laughs> Got it right. in one. Got okay. it in one. So I had, I was probably about like, I don't know, 19 and, pro- and I would say very as you would expect, uh, quite naive about dating and relationships. And classic story goes, found a guy I really liked, fell head over heels for him. He happened to be a big convert of The Game, which is a book about that teaches men how to seduce women. Or, and it's about this weird underground world of pickup artists, which are men who teach other men how to increase their success with women. And I kind of found out about it. And I was, of course, like really horrified to start off with. I thought it was pretty nasty. And because I was a lot punkier and more rebellious, I think, you know, when I was 19, I remember getting on in the early days of Twitter and kind of contacting some of these pickup guys and pretending to be a fangirl in order to infiltrate their underground community. <laughs> I love this. I know. I was like, I would have only, see, this is the kind of person, see, I've learned from this. I'm not this person anymore, but I was like that, you know, if there was something that sounded exciting or like there was a good story in it or it was suitably provocative. I was all over that when I was 19. So anyway, I went in, I went a little bit undercover. I was actually also a gigging writer at the time. So I was just desperate to make a break in writing. And my first, and since actually only paid writing gig that I've ever got has been writing blogs in the dating industry. So I used to write these pickup guys blogs. I used to ghostwrite them sort of pretending I was a 42 year old man living in New York and, you know, (laughs) (laughs) adding, it was, it was, it was fiction. Um, and then because I was this weird mister, there's a few women that have been in the industry, but they're, they're very rare. And so because of that, I think it naturally attracted some press attention. It meant that I was offered to be the woman's opinion on various pickup artist coaching teams, but a lot of years just coaching men. Obviously, even with that industry, I was kind of unhappy with it. And I think there's lots of men's dating advice that's really bad. And the way it speaks to men is actually very disempowering. And then at some point I managed to 
get enough traction that I managed to break off, start up my own thing with hopefully the premise that, you, that dating advice is important to people. It's really valuable and it can really help people, but surely there's like a more ethical, more even way of doing things, which is transparent and hopefully helps both men and women and people of all orientations and backgrounds equally. So that was the kind of concept between, behind my brand, Hayley Quinn. And since then it's just, you know, I look back at my internet search history and it's just a bit of a mess because I've evolved, <laughs> I've evolved so much in terms of, I think like everybody else, you start with looking at the text message that someone sent you and thinking how to write a good response to that. And then after a while, you start to realize it's not the text message at all. So I think the growth in the coaching that we do now kind of reflects that we're, we're not about the text message, we're about helping people out as individuals and getting them clear about what they can do to be happy. Because the sort of principle behind something like Neil Strauss's book was with guys and it and it plays into something I want to ask you about, which is the power play. But very much the, the two things that I took from Neil Strauss's book, not that I read the whole thing, but it's this idea of negging. So uh-huh. to put somebody down in order to get them to then want your approval mm-hmm. in a rough time and then amogging, you know, this <laughs> idea. And I, I can't. I can't quite define that. You might have to help me. I just remember that Neil Strauss met Tom Cruise and said he amogged me in like the space of a nanosecond. Just he became <laughs> he became the alpha male in the room. Um, I yeah. forget what amog now stands for. I'll put it in the show notes. Um, but there was sort of very much this kind of power play of if you want to get a woman, you've got to sort of minimize her first. Right. So that's where the concept of negging comes from. And it's, the, I guess, it, a, a simple way you could describe it's like a backhanded compliment. Mm. So something that you, it's sort of sound like when you listen to it, it's like, was that a compliment? No, he was actually insulting me. And it's come from this idea that, you know, a woman in all her self-worth, who's obviously on this pedestal, would never look at a guy like that. So you have to knock her down in order before she would consider you. And of course, apart from the fact that it's terribly misogynistic, it also sends a very negative message to men out there that, that you know, women are in a different league and we're not just equals, you know, are looking for the same things. Uh, AMOG, uh, I think that sounds, stands for alpha male other guy. Could right. be wrong, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna that's gonna be my, my top guess of the day. And again, it's this idea that the world of dating is that full of fierce competition. And if you're not completely ultra confident masculine alpha at all times, some other guy's gonna swoop in there and he'll be able, he'll get the, he'll get the woman. So women really aren't given any agency in this model. You know they. They don't have any opinions. They're also one unit, you know, so there's no uh, a variation in people's responses based on different personality and character. And it actually really gamifies the process of dating and makes it all about a man's individual performance. So if the guy does a really good performance, you know, he does all his like tricks and negging and language patterns and whatever else he's doing to try and win her, then he'll get the woman. And if he doesn't do it well, some other better guy will. Um, and I said, problems with this, women have no agency. So there's like, there's no feedback loop. There's nothing two way about this. And secondly, it, for guys as well, men have heard a lot of the time through dating advice that basically dating is all their fault. You know, it's like, if you want to, you know, they have, and they often, even in very mainstream dating, that isn't the world of pickup, you know, it generally falls to men. And we're talking about heterosexual dating to make the first move, you know, and you might not think you're necessarily participating in this really kind of evil way of constructing dating, but actually, you know, if you think about it, I think a lot of women out there would still expect the man to send them a first message on the dating app. And really 
whilst I, I can see the sense in that and I can argue the other side why that's a good thing, the other way to think about it is that really should there be all this burden of pressure and performance on a man to be a certain way, or could there be a way to see dating where it is more level and it is more equal and it's a meeting of two or more parts? Well, because that's the thing, because when I mentioned earlier about the idea of this power play, whenever I think about dating, or I talk about dating with my friends, that it always becomes this game or you've got to do this or you've got to do that or send this or then a friend grabs the phone and says can I go oh, through God, yeah. and then a friend starts sending messages so actually they're not even communicating you in the like it all becomes a bit messy and sort of a nonsense really yeah I mean I think you struck on a note of real pain there which is like the whatsapp group opinion on what message you should send next and then not only do you have like potentially this interaction with someone you are attracted to not going perfectly well then you also have scrutiny of three really very close friends to add on top of that um and it's and I think another thing that you're touching on is something I like to talk about a lot actually which is the difference between like a tactic and a strategy so a tactic is a short-term play or something that you can do which might get you the desired result However, that can be very different to what your long-term goals and strategy should be. So for instance, if there is this guy who's kind of messing you about and you have, you've spoken to your like group of WhatsApp friends and you've come up with like the ultra perfect response, which is going to make him think, wow, she's like the most cool, badass woman I've ever met. I have to take her on another date. That might, you may be able to come up with that text message, but does that long run help you to find a really loving, accepting, awesome relationship? Probably not, because you're just gonna keep this, this person in the loop longer than you should do. So there's that real balance where you have to try and um, not get lured, I guess, into too much inauthenticity in how you express yourself. Because ultimately, if, you, if your ultimate goal is to attract an amazing partner who really connects with you, that's, that's not gonna work very well. The other kind of caveat, but there's another caveat to that though, is sometimes when we express ourselves super authentically, it may not be fully appropriate for the situation. So I think a lot of people listening to this may have had that message where they're like, you know what? I'm just gonna let this person know what I really think and feel. Cue, five page long, big scroll WhatsApp message, which you then look back on in a month's time and you're like, oh my God, you know, I hope they've deleted that. How, how mortifying. That's not how I feel right now. Like, oh no. So it's also about when you're communicating, trying to, I guess, reconcile whether that's coming from a healthy space. Do you have a good outlook on dating and relationships? Do you have the right expectations for where you're at right now with this person? So there's some sense checks that you have to do before I think you can go for total self-expression. Well, this leads to a very good point when you talk about expectations. I was having a conversation with a friend recently, and this was in the context of friendships and just saying how, and this really showed me a kind of a, a glitch in my own hardware in terms of how I view friendships, because I hadn't spoken to a friend for a little while and I was like, oh, that's a shame. We've fallen out. And she says, no, that's just the ebb and flow of friendships. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, and so it's those subtleties of actually sort of it doesn't have to all feel a certain way it doesn't have to be um all very intense right at the beginning because it can be really attractive and appealing can't it to get into those dynamics where it's so dramatic <laughs> and you feel I, all the feelings 
I know. I mean, I think intensity, that's another such an important topic. If you're at the moment, if you're single looking to meet someone confused as to why stuff isn't working out for you, like intensity could be a good root cause of problems that you're having. And I say this is like a fully paid up veteran of the intensity club. Like I just used to love being if there was a lot of drama and obstacle around being with someone if they were kind of emotionally unavailable the relationship was generally bad slash crazy um I would just find that so exciting and I thought you know what we've got this amazing connection so despite the fact their behavior is completely at odds with what would make a great romantic partner here you know what? I'm going to cling on for the ride through all these highs and lows in this kind of slightly insane belief that somehow we're going to emerge into happily and ever after after we've overcome all these trials so I think when you're looking at dating and relationships, I think the Hollywood ideal of romance, and in fact, it went way before Hollywood, you know, that we might get in books and other fiction is of course that you meet someone, there's this amazing spark of connection. There's like, immediately they get everything about you. They want to spend every minute of the day with you. It feels super exciting. You've got that elusive spark. And that almost, it's like when you have that sense of immediate connection, somehow in our minds that equals destined to have a significant relationship and in fact those two things are not related at all in my opinion so often what we take is that best kind of judgment or yardstick about who we should invest our time and our energy into building relationships with I kind of think is a big red herring and instead um, it's about, we kind of, because at that point, we're not looking at the other person's contribution. We're not looking at their willingness. We're not, we're not looking at their values. If they want the same kind of relationship as us. We're just looking for that megawatt first impression. And then that can be very, very addictive. When in fact, if someone does want to see you every night of the week after you've only met twice, you should probably think, well, shouldn't they be doing something else with their life? You know, where are their other like friends, family, career? And shouldn't they respect my need to carry on with all the things that have made my life awesome and stable and built my self-esteem before they rocked up? So it's about actually stopping someone from being catapulted from into number one pole position in your life, just based on the strength of an immediate first impression, which I think when it comes to first impressions, that's so much about how we're probably giving them far too much credit and building them up way too much in our minds. They become so much better. And so almost they become, they take on this like godlike or goddess-like status in our minds before actually having done the kind of real work and the due diligence of getting to know them and working out who they are as a person. So it's about not going into that stage where we idealize someone based on the first impression, fall in love with the impression we have in our minds and then spend a lot of time trying to reconcile the image we have in our minds with who they're actually showing us to be in real life. It's such a good point. And that idea of, um, it's making me think about when my first relationship ended and I was absolutely heartbroken because I put all, I, I felt all the feelings as we've discussed earlier. And it took a lot of, maybe a few years for me to look back and actually realize one of the problems with that relationship was I realized that I was attracted to him because he was everything, he had qualities I didn't have that I wanted. Mm. So he was popular, mm. he was sporty, he was all of these things. You know, he just seemed to navigate the world very easily. And I thought, well, if I, I realized in hindsight, if I attach myself to that, then I will navigate the world really easily and I'll be popular and life will look really nice for me too. And I guess that must be something 
if I did it, lots of people must do it. Right. I love what you brought up there, which is this idea that it isn't actually about this one person. It's actually about ourselves. So no one, I don't think, is that super, super awesome. And if you think they are, reconcile how long you've actually known them for. So if you've been on like a few dates or you sum it up and it's a total of like 48 hours or even a week or even two months or three months with the person, that just isn't long enough to really, really get a good sense of a person, to really build trust, to really build a relationship. So suddenly, if you think they're this most super awesome mega person and you ascribe all these positive values and characteristics to them, there's going to be a bit of creative fiction and fantasy going on on your side. And then I think the thing about fantasy is it's doing, it's providing a role for it. It's doing something for us. It's taking us away from something. And I think in your case, it was like, maybe that's just as you said, what you wanted to have. And so you wanted to bring more of that into your life or you felt drawn to people who exhibited those, those qualities. I think for myself, when I had that, I think for me, fantasy was, or creating a fantasy around another person was all about the fact there was stuff in my life that was like glaringly not fixed. It was big, majorly wrong. And I just didn't want to address it. It was, it was way easier to get, to spend my days thinking about the ups and downs of, some guy and how intoxicating and amazing and will we ever be together and what's he thinking about me now that was actually easier than sitting down dusting myself off and going you know what actually my career's in a bad space you know obviously I have nothing going on in my romantic life I've got a bad relationship with my parents you know like I'm partying too much all this stuff's going on I'm ignoring it and so I think for the people out there if you do find yourself really hooked on the idea of someone and I know it's incredibly painful if you think you know you've been maybe broken up with out of the blue or you're still hankering after someone that you've dated in the past or you think you've missed out on your opportunity of the one like that's really really heartbreaking to be running over those thoughts in your mind and I think probably the first step to getting past that is realizing you're not actually attached to that person you're attached to the idea of them and that idea is a mirage that's keeping you away from solving something else so if you can just get past that mirage you're going to find some really really interesting things to look at and then perhaps when you've looked at them it's going to be a lot easier for you to choose someone to be with who actually is a really great partner to you. As well as looking past the mirage, I'm going to quote one of my favourite people, the legendary RuPaul, who obviously <laughs> ends every show with, if you can't love yourself, how in the hell are you going to love somebody else? And your TED talk really spoke to that. It really was about, and it's not that sort of old dating truism of um, uh, spend some time with yourself or if you're, you know, love will find you when you're never really looking for it. It more, it, it really is about get to know yourself because if you know who you are, you'll have a better sense of who you need or who you want or who you like. Mm -hmm. So yeah, and I think dating is a big distraction to potentially getting to know ourselves better. And as you said, there's that kind of like bad, there's lots of bad dating advice that goes on the, um, on the, along the kind of self-identity route, which is like, you just have to be yourself. And then people think, well, I am being myself and it's getting me nowhere. <laughs> um, or as you said, I like, just need to spend some time by yourself, which is almost like, your friend telling you, you know, you need to go and sit on the bleachers or on the back bench, sit this round out because, you, you know, that last play was really bad. That's what that implies. Um, and instead, I think it's about um, choosing to kind of spend some time 
kind of decluttering your mind and actually and I think dating isn't the only distraction you could have like I can I'm definitely going to me it was definitely partying and socializing as well that was another massive distraction you know that that um, being hung over a few days a week that definitely keeps you from looking at things clearly I think workaholism could be another good one so needing to do anything really with such a degree of intensity that it becomes overwhelming and it, it, it invades all other aspects of your life. So you never actually really spend a day, a week, a month with basically nothing exciting happening, nothing going on where you're just sat there, you know, in your apartment, thinking about your life. You know, there's nothing, no exciting messages on your phone, your Wi-Fi, you know, you're not on the Wi-Fi, you're not watching TV and you're actually reflecting on where you're at in your life. And I think when you can have real contentment, in those moments and you don't feel the need to stick a plaster of distraction on top of it then I think that's a really good space to be at actually for dating. Have you have you noticed actually that in lockdown that that process has maybe potentially been happening for a lot more people because they have been on their own they haven't had any option but to face time with themselves and maybe the distraction hasn't been there there's just been more time to actually think oh (laughs) How do I feel about myself? Right, exactly. So I think the lockdown hasn't all been terrible. I think the enforced slowing stuff down in the dating process is actually really, really good. Um, I also think it has made people look at their patterns more and self-reflect and try to become a bit more aware. And by patterns, I mean just sort of how I go about things normally and how that might not be serving me so well. So yeah, I think one of the positives of lockdown, or I guess a lot of questions you get asked as a dating expert about lockdown is like, how can I keep, or what can I do for my dating life whilst I'm not actually physically able to see someone? And again, there's a bit of a like red herring there, which is the dating is all about how to maximize number of dates or number of matches or number of people you're messaging with. And in fact, if you, if you haven't been kind of finding people you connect with and you're finding dating a bit hard, actually having that time out and look kind of asking yourself questions around who do I choose to prioritize why do I select people what characteristics draw me in what what happens after I've met someone a couple of times and they have a strong impression on me where do I then intuitively want to go to next what makes what would actually make me feel calm and confident if I could date that way so there's some good questions and some good self-reflection I think if you can get your own process right for dating and you can really create a way to date that feels motivating and fun for you that isn't focused on having a particular outcome that allows you to stay the course that also makes you question who you're selecting and on what criteria that's actually such a valuable thing to do and you don't need anybody else in your life to start to do it because you run you run coaching for men and for women so when somebody comes to you, what's normally the starting point? There's a few different starting points. I'll give you a couple of the most common ones. Um, some people just are feeling like they're not getting any responses at all. So they're not really having any engagement in their dating life. And that will mean often that, you know, they're not, if you could imagine a reality um, where, and this is, I guess, more for the men, that they might be on a dating app or dating platform. They might send hundreds of messages and get no responses <laughs> Like you can imagine how actually how soul destroying and how crushing for someone's self-esteem that might feel. Um, Or more commonly, it might be that they've had a recent, I guess, interaction or experience that's made them self-reflect and think, hang on, something isn't right here. So it could be that they've just had a recent breakup. It could be that they've been 
they've fallen for someone who's completely unavailable. It could be that they feel like they've narrowly missed out on someone that they feel they should have been with because they've, again, I'm using my little inverted commas here, chosen (laughs) someone else. Uh, So I think that's usually, it's that feeling of like opportunity lost that becomes the jump off point for a lot of people who then want to begin this journey. And I think what's funny as well is with, um, if we look at other areas of our life, like fitness or career or wellness, we're usually pretty open there to kind of like think, well, maybe I need to like adjust something here. You know, I could probably look at, maybe I need to change my action plan or maybe there's something here. Maybe I need to seek some ex- like external help or advice or opinion. And, but in the area of dating, I think some of the language around it, I think can be very much, uh, could be very mystical. Like, you know, when it's the right time, you'll meet someone when, when he's, the, this was my mum's favorite one. She used to say to me all the time, she says, when he's the right one, he'll find you. <laughs> so it was like, fantastic. I'll just sit, my, sit myself down here, swish my hair. And uh, <laughs> in, you my know, turret. <laughs> in my turret and Prince Charming shall come crashing through the door at any moment. And of course that doesn't really work out. So I guess a shift I would see in people as well is at some point, this more like, I guess, romantic or idealized version of how we think romance is gonna play out for us. We kind of get to a certain point of emotional and or physical maturity and go, hang on a minute. The, the turret door is still firmly shut. I've had a few creepy ones try and come through the window, but this isn't what I want. And then you have to realize actually that it's, you're a much more active part in the process. And I think for everyone, like dating isn't that different to any other area of our lives. You know, it requires time, it requires self-reflection, it requires accountability. And if you're having a problem in your dating life and you think you're always attracting the wrong kind of person or you're Googling how to stop attracting narcissists or anything like that, I would just like stop right there. And instead, flip it all around and think instead what that says about you and your process. And that's hard because sometimes if things aren't going well, it, it just, the first thing you want to do and probably what all your friends will say, because they're being good friends, is they'll be like, you know what? They were just a bleep, 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 bleep. <laughs> and sometimes that's true. But I think at some point you chose that person or you gave them importance or you invested their t- your time in them. And of course, there are occasions where some people are just grossly misleading and you couldn't see it coming. But I think a lot of the times we can see these patterns emerging for us and we can make different decisions. And whilst that sort of, I mean, definitely when I was going through this myself, I thought, well, that really sucks because I just feel like I've had a really hard time here, people. <laughs> and like, you know, I don't really want to hear that it's all my fault. Uh, but on the other hand, that's actually what makes you feel much more empowered. You know, if dating is just fate, and we're just waiting to see who crushes through the turret doors, then we're stuck, you know, like any bunch of anyone could come through those doors. Instead, it, that moment where you go, actually, I am responsible and I can change this, that should feel liberating and could actually set you on a much different track. Yeah, I love the idea about it being empowering because I think we can all think about that relationship either in our own lives or in a friend's life where they've been dumped perhaps, and then they they still maybe a while later blame that person for what they mm. did to them. And actually that's externalizing your power, it's giving it to somebody else. Totally. And you're so right. It's um, a different scenario completely. Uh, having a job that I used to have and after the fact realizing I could have behaved differently in that job, I have to take accountability and not take that to the next working environment the same would be true someone in HR would tell you that but no one in 
real life would necessarily coach you towards that with dating. Right. And I, I like actually what you mentioned there about the um, example of not externalizing stuff that you could actually take accountability for yourself. And of course, there is going to be in any interactions, at least two people. So I'm going to say there's going to be some shared blame. It's about how two or more people are interacting with one another. However, there's always going to be stuff on our side of the table that we can look at and work out. And this is where tips come back into it. So if we take the broader kind of idea of like, how can I become more accountable and how can I stop externalizing and how can I stop blaming this other person? Because that's not really helping me to like move forwards. What does that boil down to as tips saying, say that you have been broken up for some six months and you're still wanting to moan to your friend that how much of a dick they were. Well, you know what you could do? You could stop bringing them up in conversation as much. So you could choose to focus on other areas of your life and if people ask about it you could um try and trying as much as you can to try and answer with some neutrality so instead of they were this evil person they did all this stuff it could just be like you know what it didn't really work out they weren't the best person for me it's keeping it really nice and simple it could be in the early stages of dating that even on a budget quality is non-negotiable that's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns when you get a message from somebody on a dating app or somebody you've gone on a few dates with that confuses you, not needing to dissect it with seven different opinions coming in on that WhatsApp group chat, just think, you know what, actually ultimately is, I've only known this person for like two days, is not that important. I'm just gonna answer in a way that feels authentic to me and you know, if it doesn't connect with them, then whatever, you know, that's a filter for me to finding someone good. So you can actually look at those ways that you can, um, those are the kind of tips, uh, how tips can be taken from this idea of like, how do I put, make it less about the other person? How in fact do I just set myself up here to move on, to feel positive? Also, how do I feel optimistic and motivated for my dating life in the future? And if you're sat there telling yourself like, what are some red flags I should look out for? Why do I always attract narcissists? My ex was, crazy all we're telling ourselves really is this narrative that we're doomed and that there's it's a predatory scary world of dating out there and instead you know you could change that immediately and you could start instead to think you know what there are plenty of great people out there of course I'm not going to connect with everyone not everyone's going to want to have the same things as me some people may exceed or not exceed uh not meet my expectations during the process and that's okay because I'm focused on what I want I've got my boundaries in check and I'm willing to go on this journey until I meet that meet that person of which there is many you know so you can really start to change how you're it's I know it's a bit a bit of self-talk here but I think it's so important so it's about kind of not googling that stuff not going on YouTube and looking up those videos and instead taking being more accountable and then thinking about how that boils down into how you can just make these slight adjustments to how you're engaging in dating in everyday life and also how you're talking about dating. 
I'm also really interested about, um, I'm sure there'll be people listening to this show who um, maybe want to get into a relationship. Maybe they're using apps, maybe they're using various other bits, whatever it might be. But there might be varying degrees of want. So there might be people who are, yeah, yeah, if it comes my way, cool. If I meet someone and it goes well, or there might be someone listening to this who's thinking, I really, really want a relationship because I want to have a family or whatever it might be. How do you advise measuring that want so that it doesn't manifest in that intense kind of want me energy when they go on to dates, whether it's dating apps or in-person app, mm-hmm. uh, dates? Well, a good mindset you could have if you're in that that position is to think you know what commitment is as it says on the the tin it's kind of a big deal you know apart from the fact that you um you know remove the opportunity to meet someone else you know that may then become a later down the line that conversation could mean families meeting family intertwining maybe children maybe buying a house together you know there's a lot of big things that are going to affect your life and that's a really important decision who you, who you choose or give the opportunity to go on that that path with so because of that I would be thinking this is a very important job I'm interviewing for here and I'm going to because I'm going to have to really do a lot of due diligence I'm going to go slowly I want to make a really great decision so actually the counterintuitively the way to get into a great relationship sooner isn't by speeding things up it's by slowing things down and checking your decision-making process. Because I think you're totally right that sometimes you can have the idea that you really, really want to have that amazing relationship. And then no matter what person comes along, you're trying to somehow, like it's like square peg round hole, you're trying to like figure out how they could possibly be this person. And in fact, it's about starting from a place where you have very little, as little judgment as possible, be really slow to judge say things to yourself like, you know what, they seem, they seem nice, but I'm just gonna see how things go. Or, you know, it's good, let's just, you know, it's early days low, let's just give it a few more months. So do everything you can, both mentally and also in your physical actions to slow stuff down. You know, no, nothing bad is gonna happen. <laughs> or if you don't, if you see them once a week for the first couple of months, you know, I would give them time to build that connection with you and, and to earn that place in your life. And in the meantime, as I said, all those other things that have been making you feel good, whether that's like, you know, a spin class or your meditation or catching up with a friend or, you know, whatever you do with your time otherwise, that should actually take precedence and this other person should walk or tiptoe really slowly into your life. So I definitely am a fat, big fan of the slow build relationships um, and also just not as much as it's kind of almost against human nature sometimes, trying our best not to come to value or character judgments about a person before we actually really know them. Because I think something I definitely hear a lot from people and definitely a reason why people might contact me is they'll say, you know, it was going really well and then they changed. Or it was like, oh, that's not them. They don't normally act that way. And it's so hard, but it's about, it's not that they've changed. It's that you've you've discovered more of the map. You know, it's just you were, imagine this map of this person, you were focused on this teeny tiny little bit that looked really, really good. And you've just rolled out a bit more. And actually that other bit doesn't look so good. And sometimes I guess the flip side of this to keep some positivity here, is sometimes you roll out the map and it looks, there's actually this really great bit over here that you hadn't realized. So people can surprise you positively or negatively. And if you can slow your process down of getting to know them and build that trust gradually, um, you're going to do it. You'll actually also 
not fall in love with that image or that mirage and give yourself an opportunity to connect with who they really are and hopefully make better decisions along the way. And also catering for the people at the other end of that spectrum. So I read an interesting article yesterday about um, the word spinster and how, I don't know if you've seen this, but basically uh, women over 40 living by themselves has increased just exponentially over the last, particularly the last decade. And so there'll be lots of women listening to this because we have most of my most excellent listeners are female who might be single and over 40. And they might actually be thinking, it's not high on my priority list. Mm-hmm. Does that make them wrong? Being a dating expert, do you, do you have a stance on that? <laughs> I'm going to say no. There is nothing written <laughs> in stone which says that women's top priority in life must be to find you know, a husband or, or a wife. Um, it, I think the only sticky point comes is if you do think it's your intention, to, it is your intention to find someone, but then your actions aren't really tallying up with that. So you say, oh, I'd like to meet someone, but you don't spend any time responding to people's messages on dating apps. You feel a lot of anxiety coming up to a date, meeting someone new, so you cancel the date last minute. You think someone seems nice, but you're not sure about them. You worry about leading them on, you feel a bit of pressure. So you only go on one or two dates before calling it quits. So it's more like if you feel like your intention is to meet someone, but you're not actually doing the actions to make that happen, that's problematic. If you are actually just loving your life and it's not a priority and you've built other things great the only thing i guess another little i guess internal red flag you could have about our sense check you can do for yourself is how you talk about your expectations around the possibility of meeting someone so if it's like you know yeah but all the good ones are taken so i'm fine i'm happy by myself and you're kind of approaching dating or your outlook on dating is like I don't know, trying to do your Christmas food shopping at Christmas Eve at 6pm and like there's only some like dodgy stuff left on the shelves, you know, the misshapen veg, the the brand that you didn't want. Um, If you're saying that to yourself, that could be again, that could be more about perspective and outlook rather than actual reality. If however your, your internal dialogue is, you know what, I'm really proud of myself. I've got this apartment or this home I totally love, love my pet, love my career, amazing friends. If I meet someone who happens to be a great value add to my life, great. If not, you know what? I'm actually, that's not really a focus for me right now, but you know, I'm open to being positively surprised. Then that's probably a better ballpark to be in. Also another note about that actually seems like I've got quite a few actually um, single clients and also single friends who are be in that, you know, in their forties living by themselves category. Another storyline I think to avoid when it comes to your dating life is to call your dating life crazy. To be like, oh, you know, it's almost a joke how bad my dating life is. You know, I always attract the worst part people. Because again, I think that's sort of like what I experienced myself in the past where somehow your dating life takes on this pageantry and the role you have in dating is like, you're the funny story. And you don't want, and the funny, and no doubt it is good to have, a, we all have had dating funny stories. And it's good to have a laugh about dating and dating is funny. Uh, and sometimes I guess finding humor in things can be a really good way to take the emotional sting out of stuff. So I'm not um, saying that's bad, but I would say just try not to identify with the, as being the person who has the crazy story. Because I think otherwise, again, message you're sending to yourself there is that that's all that's ever gonna show up for you. Right. Right. And what about if you're in a relationship, if someone's listening to this and they're thinking, I am in a relationship, but maybe it's not, 
it's not maybe going the way that I would like it to, or I feel like my partner maybe takes advantage or I don't get the love that I want. Can you use any of this within a relationship to mm-hmm. reset those boundaries? Mm-hmm, totally. And again, I think relationships, just like dating, same kind of stuff here. A lot of the advice out there um, puts a lot of emphasis on the other person's role and perhaps not enough emphasis on our role. And considering we can't control the other person or know the other person, but we can ourselves, I think that's probably a kind of a better place to start. So, you know, obvious stuff, if you're not getting your needs met, have you communicated that? Have you asked for stuff? Have you asked in a way that they'll understand? Um, Is someone seeming, is your partner seeming motivated to try and communicate or to try and resolve your needs? Do they actively choose to try and do things that make you feel happier or not? Uh, Have you got enough independence within the relationship? Have you got enough interdependence? That's, I guess, another reverse question of that. Um, Also, when you're thinking about the relationship, I think, um, actually, it's my husband that always says this. I think he says it's like the story about the relationship is, again, really important. So it's very easy if someone takes an action I think of something really silly so I'm more of a hugger than my husband is I'm I'm definitely I like cuddling and he's a bit like his his catchphrase is like I'm hot or (laughs) I'm full (laughs) those are like the two things that come up whenever I try and like pull him in for a cuddle and so I guess if someone's saying that though essentially I'm making um I think it was Gottman who said this, it's, a, it's like a bid, you're asking for something you want, I want to cuddle. His response to that is like, no, because of this, you know, I've just eat, eaten two servings of roast dinner and your mum's apple pie and I'm not having it and I'm roasting. Um, so I could take that again, just like you said at the start, um, I could take that as he's not meeting my needs and I'm in this relationship that can't ever fulfill me. And then this can, compounded over time, this can really spiral into you know what, this person can never meet my needs or we're just totally out of sync or he's not listening to me, he's not respecting me or it could just mean he's hot or it could just mean he's full or it could just mean I have to accept that there's a bit of a difference there in terms of how we communicate that one love language but is that difference fundamental enough to mean that we're not compatible? So I think, again, thinking about what story you have about the relationship and I think how positively or negatively you feel about it, not all the time, but a lot of the time can be down to just how you choose to interpret all of these small actions that happen. Um, And I think something that's really important is when these small actions happen, rather than not communicating and not being aware of it, if some, there's, there can almost be like, I call it like the people's republic of your mind which is out of the relationship and is just looking out for you. And it's like, hang on a minute. And they're like, actually, husband or partner or wife is, they're like this, they're like that. And suddenly this, this kind of um, faction can take over and it can make you feel really distant and disconnected. Um, instead, I think it's so important to try and address those concerns. Sometimes those, address, those concerns can be met through communication. Sometimes I think it's through acceptance though. And I think sometimes the most beautiful things about a relationship is just going well that's how this person is and that's okay and I love them and I accept them and we're on we know we've chosen to go on this journey together and we're doing this so I think a lot of actually good relationship is is not necessarily expecting perfection and it's about both partners I guess choosing to accept and to commit 
Well, does that also feed into codependency? Because what I'm thinking about there is this idea of like, if I treat you a certain way, I'm hugging you. That's how I show you love. Therefore, if you don't hug me back, maybe you don't love me. It's it's understanding each other's love language and understanding that the way that you love isn't necessarily, unless you find the partner who loves exactly like you do. Um, Yeah, but I think everybody has slightly different um, needs for intimacy and connection, you know. So I know people who are in a really happy relationship, 10 years down the line, don't live together. (laughs) You know, they've never chosen to progress those relationship milestones. And I know other people who, you know, met quickly and then somehow formed a relationship and they're going they're all going strong right now so I think partly it is about choosing a partner who helps to bring you to a space where you feel as secure and as stable as you possibly can so an example of this actually is say that you find yourself um, feeling very jealous over some messages that your partners send or the fact that your partner kind of did something just didn't just obfuscated that and didn't tell you about it and weren't they um, and were being obscure sometimes it's less about is this person cheating dun, 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 ricky lake outro music it's actually sometimes more about you know is this person helping you to feel secure and are they meeting those emotional needs and so it's, sometimes it's less about the big dramatic act of cheating it could just be the fact that this person has a higher need for like autonomy, independence, that's quite mismatched with your need for a lot of communication, collaboration and security. And I think if you're on two different wavelengths around that, then that can also be an issue. Oh God, absolutely. Now that you said it like that, it makes such, <laughs> makes such sense. And mm. also I've, I've had friends who have been in those situations where they have thought that their partner was cheating Mm. and they have done the thing of they've used a truism of well he stopped sleeping with me so he must be sleeping with someone else and it's those sorts of things do you find that in your work you have to break down a lot of those yeah there is a lot of unhelpful truisms out there and I think what we can hear if we just take that one which I think is such a good example of like if he's not sleeping with me he must be sleeping with someone else then okay so what's the rationale here it's like first of all first thing that you should probably question there is, is is somebody else's actions all to do with you? You know, I know it can be hard. And I, know, I have to remind myself this a lot, actually, that I'm not the center of the universe and that people have independent thoughts and feelings. So, and it can be something as simple as a dating app. You know, you send a message, you would enjoy chatting to someone, they suddenly disappear. It doesn't mean your profile's wrong, what you said was wrong, you're wrong. It could just mean that there's something totally independent happening in their life which has caused them to break communication, which ultimately has filtered them out as partner, but it doesn't mean there's anything to do with you. So that's thing one. Second presumption, I think, should be questioned around that. If he's not sleeping with me, he must be sleeping with someone else. I think sometimes, again, we something that guys get, which I think is a bit negative, and I, I, I like to bring this stuff up because I think a lot of the time we analyse negative stuff that's said about us as women or negative beliefs, and it's good to flip that around too. And it's like that men are these like sex-hungry animals that they have these very simple needs including sex pizza and sport and if they're not doing that then what else do they do with their time and in fact there's so many you know sexuality not is such a complex area and there's so many reasons why someone could be choosing to not feel confident or feel desire in that area of their life you know it could be that work's going badly it could be like poor sleep it could be stress it could be diet it could be 
not feeling attractive. It could be something else that knocks yourself up. I mean, there's like an almost bottomless pit of potential reasons that could impact someone's area of their life that, and it's not so simple that, you know, if he's not getting it at home, he must be getting it elsewhere, you know, actually not. Cause it's, he's not this like binary animalistic creature that maybe that sums him up to be. So I think with dating, it's, it's so hard because I think, I guess how you look at dating, and I say this as someone who definitely doesn't have all the answers and just, I just like think about, I've, because of my job, I think about it a lot, is you have like this top level, top layer advice, which is stuff like, just be yourself, be confident. Um, or, you know, if he's not getting it home, he must be getting it elsewhere. And I'm not saying that there aren't grains of truth in this, or there aren't many examples where this will be accurate. However, it's like, when you go, if you dig down through that first layer, you'll then realize, oh, actually, there's, there's at least five other little sub layers in here of different ways I could interpret that, that in each of those layers, there's more layers. And so I think when you look for the obvious piece of advice, whether it's like the text message to send or how to impress someone or how to get someone to commit you're only looking at that very 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 top layer and instead you want to just keep digging um, until you get some really good questions often that you can ask yourself um, and that will often I think lead you in a, as I said I think a lot of those other ways of looking at dating where we do make it all about kind of achieving or getting or capturing or winning someone else or getting an outcome um, whether that's through trying to control their behavior or trying to get a perfect line or message to send, that's all a big misdirection. It's one huge red herring that's taking you so far away from what can bring you like happiness and contentment. And so just instead, it just kind of try and put that out of your mind and instead take the time to reflect and dig down into the why. Why do you want to, why is this person so important to you? You know, why do you feel that you need to, have their affection you know is it what is it about that you think that they're going to be able to give to you that you think you're missing out on right now like those are some good questions to ask yourself rather than focusing on the technique or the goal um quite a few people in the facebook group have actually messaged and they've asked quite an interesting question which is they've either come out of a, a marriage or they've come out of a long-term relationship which they were in for a very long time and they're now navigating not just wanting to date, but dating itself in their 40s or 50s. And they feel as though the terrain is completely different from what it was maybe 20, mm -hmm. 15, 20 years ago. Um, what would be your advice to someone who's in that situation? Mm -hmm. Well, first of all, there's a real positive to that is that you've had a really, hopefully, a good long-term relationship. Maybe, maybe there's people there that didn't think so positively of those relationships. But for those of you that have, you know, that's great. You've got a bit of a blueprint there for what to look out for. And also maybe there's been some learnings there about what ultimately doesn't work for you, but you've got Intel. People haven't changed that much. You know, it's not like dating apps came out and people's behavior radically changed overnight. That again would be a bit of a misnomer. I think instead, look at it this way. You've had a bit of a blueprint. You've got an idea about you want what you want. The only bit of knowledge cap that you might have that is different to 15, 20 years ago is the methods of how we meet people have changed radically. And there's been some stuff that's come up as a consequence of that. So before you might've met people more through friends of friends or um, in real life, that especially during COVID is totally out the window and you may be with online dating. 
Now, online dating, I really think only reflects people's behavior. So it's not that people have changed. Some things that could happen though are, for instance, I do think it allows people to perhaps be a bit less accountable, to be a bit more flaky, to not have to explain and justify themselves. If it's a friend of a friend you're introduced to and you got stood up at the pub, someone's gonna need to do some explaining at some point. If it's in the world of WhatsApp and online dating, someone could just send a message that's just something to the effect of, oh, you know, like had a really hectic work week, need to spend some time just with myself. Is it okay if we maybe reschedule? And they don't necessarily, that makes it easy for them to not keep that commitment. However, ultimately, these aren't the people that you want to meet. And you need to do a good job of making the most of those channels to meet someone. So of course, like have a well-written complete profile, which has lots of your personality in it, have a good selection of photos on there. Um, be proactive at messaging, be proactive at responding. Don't just respond back to people when you're in a queue or watching Netflix and, you know, needing something else to fill up your time, you know, try and give it like dedicated time, focus and energy. And then remember that all of these things that you might fear about modern dating, like that people are really flaky or that they cancel or that, you know, that then nobody wants commitment anymore. There will always be a proportion of people, dating apps or not, who are like that. And the good news is by just reserving judgment and witnessing their behavior, you can pretty effectively filter those people out. And it is really seriously, if someone doesn't respond to you, they arrange a date, then they cancel, they start, they keep rearranging. This isn't a reflection of you. This doesn't mean that something's gone wrong, something's gone with dating as a whole. It just means that this person right now isn't showing the same levels of willingness and effort as you are or as what you would need to actually build that really high quality um, relationship with them. So just let it go, filter them out, don't worry about it and trust that there's actually gonna be a bunch of people who are on your wavelength out there. You use the word fear then and I'm really curious because dating comes with kind of the highest stake rejection. Is there, is it that a lot of people uh, or particularly maybe the ones that you deal with are have that fear and are maybe scared of it? And is that sometimes a big thing to get over? Definitely. Fear is massive. I think fear of rejection is really big. And I also think that, um, interestingly, men and women tend to experience that at slightly different stages of the dating process. And I'm going to be really, I'm going to really generalize here. So sorry for people who don't fit this mold. Um, but for men, they often might fear that that initial approach is going to get knocked back. She won't respond to my message. I'm going to walk up to a woman at a bar and she's going to look me up and down and she's going to walk in the other direction. You know, that's often where the sting might come. And for women, often it's after we've um, formed a bit of a relationship with someone. So seem to be going great. Then they just disappeared or they seem to pull back or they seem to lose interest in me. And I think um, for whatever scenario you're dealing with here I think there's two things that can be good to help you to overcome it first of all I think being proactive actually helps I think if there's this area of our lives that we're kind of afraid to deal with it's like dishes mounting up in the sink and it just becomes actually again it becomes bigger than it is it becomes more of a problem than it is um, so I'd say just by looking at taking the right actions of being proactive like I said before good profile chatting to people in person when you get the opportunity, if we ever get the opportunity again, um, responding to people's messages, creating time to go on your dates. You know, when someone says you want to have a Zoom call, even though it's a bit, could be a bit cringe, just go, yeah, why not? So taking the positive actions, you won't, uh, you might be very lucky, but it's unlikely you'll get the outcome of 
perfect relationship straight away. But what you can do is you can start to fortify yourself and you can actually start to see yourself as someone who's going out there and doing this thing. Um, so I think that can really help because I think confidence comes from competency and that's a and competency is just taking the right actions and kind of keep plodding on with it for a while and being really consistent. So if you can do that, that will in time build your confidence. Um, so I think that's something that's really important. And also if someone doesn't respond in the way that you want them to, don't see it as this binary reject accept because it's so much more complicated than that. And again, we've got to remember we are, when we approach somebody or we have a date with someone or we have a message exchange, our interaction with them, we're like a drop in the ocean of their overall life. You know, who knows what their dating history has been like, what their personal life has been like, what their social relationships are like, how they're feeling, how much sleep they're getting, like God knows. So how they respond to us, they can respond however they want. And that actually doesn't mean that we're doing anything right or wrong. That's just their response. And that response sometimes actually is gonna be one that makes you feel really good and is really positive and that means you move forwards. And other times it's not and you let it go. So if you can just take someone's response as part of the process and as hard as it can be sometimes, even if they've got the, even if like, I don't know, he's like Christian Grey is six foot two and he has a helicopter or whatever stuff might, might make him or her look super awesome. Um, that, doesn't make, that, that doesn't mean anything. It's all about how someone engages and interacts with you. And if it isn't this person, there will be someone, but it's about the ultimate goal really is on that journey to meeting one of the many amazing people that you can meet. How can you stay motivated? How can you build your confidence? How can you see even someone not respond to your message? How can you see that as a win? How can you see that as actually moving forwards? Because if you can crack that, you're gonna have the right attitude and the right outlook and energy levels to sustain the journey. And then ultimately, if you keep taking the right actions, you will get the result that you want. It feels like what's at the core of your messaging a little bit is, maybe not even a little bit, but is crystallizing yourself so that knocks, be they positive or negative, don't push you off course. Right, because it's not about the getting somebody else. So this is the bit of where I do hopefully a big pivot on normal dating advice where it's not about achieving this one person or this one idea of a person or the person you think you should be with. It is about dating as an area of your life and how you can feel really good about that area of your life, regardless of your relationship status. Exactly. Right. Now, before I let you go, because we are drawing to the end of our time together, would you mind just telling me a little bit about the courses that you run? So, and I'll obviously put the links to those in the show notes, because I'm sure there are people listening to this who'll be thinking, actually, I want to get a bit more Hayley Quinn time. So how can they get in touch with you? And what are the courses and uh, assets and uh, things that you offer that might be helpful? Well, I do have a really amazing online club and community, actually, um, called the Hayley Quinn Club. And right now we're doing a 30 day dating challenge. It runs all year. So again, if you want to basically take an action every single day and become much more accountable for how you're approaching dating, that's really, really good. Um, and you can find it at hayleyquinn.com forward slash dating advice. We also have a really, I think, supportive, awesome community of people who you can look around and realize that there's so many other people who perhaps feel the same way as you and are on that journey. Um, I do still do a little bit of private coaching. I'm very much hoping to bring back coaching events at some point this year. So 
If you um, head over to uh, hayleyquinn.com forward slash dating advice or forward slash real love um, and join up to my newsletter, you can find out all the information about that as and when they come around. Um, I also, I hope, put lots of newsletters out which actually add some value as well and help to keep, again, help to keep you positive and motivated along that journey. I also really like your Instagram posts because they are like little features. They're really helpful little nuggets. It's not just sort of, as we've talked about before, it can be quite fluffy, but actually they're very thought provoking and uh, they really sometimes ask some uncomfortable questions, but the valuable questions, the good stuff. Oh, th- thank you so much for saying that. Yeah, I really try and um, had a brainwave um, over the past year that Instagram isn't actually about putting up pictures of yourself with a pithy statement. It's actually a really good tool um, to give people lots of help. So I, I answer people's questions on there. I run challenges on there. So it's really about actually the coaching experience that you can get by Instagram rather than just like stuff about my life. Though I do put the odd baby pick up there. <laughs> and your Hayley Quinn, is it X or XX on there? Yeah, so I'm Hayley Quinn X. The, honestly, the, I'm going to have a little, this is, my, this is my weekly moan about the Hayley Quinn handle. I got there too slow and um, it's somebody else who's got 20 followers and I've been, I've been begging for that handle for some time, but my requests have so far fallen on deaf ears. So mm-hmm. I'm at Hayley Quinn X. Well, I will put all of those links in the show notes. It's been really fascinating to talk to you and I hope that we can get you back on uh, maybe to do a full episode answering listener questions because this you are definitely the first person that I have looked up on dating who I felt really comfortable bringing on the show because it really is about starting with the individual and everything else stems from there, which just seems like it's so uh, congruent with all the other podcasts that we do and the guests that we have on. So thank you so much. My pleasure. And I would absolutely love that. And I also think whether it's like people sending audio or video, or just a written question, I think that makes it so much more immediate and real for people. So yeah, I would love to. Okay. Thank you so much for joining me and listeners. Everything that we have talked about, all the links to Haley will be in the show notes, but thank you for listening. Thank you so much for listening. I do hope you enjoyed that conversation with Haley and me. If you would like to get in touch with me, then you can email me at thebeautypodcast at gmail.com. And by Jiminy, I would love to hear from you. You can always DM me on social media if that feels more comfortable. I'm at Emma Guns on Twitter and Instagram. And if you'd prefer to speak to me or you want to raise uh, a subject or ask a question, whether it's from this episode or anything else, you can go to the show notes, which can be found wherever it is you are streaming and downloading this episode. And you can click the link to join the Facebook forum. I'm in there as are thousands of others of fellow listeners and I am going to speak for us all here when I say we would love to see you there so don't be shy do join us thank you so much for listening I will see you on the next one when you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year 100,000 mile limited warranty you stop thinking about what you can't do start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details.